Hey everybody, welcome to episode three. Come on in, I'm Joey. And I'm Amanda. And this is the Joey and Amanda podcast. Thank you for listening. And on this episode, we're going to talk about what drove us to pursue our passions and what started it all and at what age and what inspired us to get to where we are today. Let's do it. So let's start with you. How did everything start? Okay. All right. Well, we we were just talking uh, before we started recording about how I uh, was not a child actor, even though I, I could have been. Not because I was like a crazy, uh, uh, goofy kid, which I which I was, but because of um, my dad is a he's a puppeteer for Sesame Street and for the Muppets, and he you know he has his own production company, mm-hmm. um, you know where they produce stuff for uh, PBS and they did stuff for Comedy Central and Nickelodeon and MTV. So they were always making stuff, and there was also Sesame Street and the Muppets. Uh, he he could have put me in something. They could have. They could have made me a child actor. They had yeah. the means to do that. And my mom's an amazing artist. And, uh, you They're know, both creative. Yeah, she's a painter. She's a great photographer. So I grew up in a very creative house. Um, but they, that's not what they, they, they kind of let me and all my siblings just find whatever it is that we were interested in and then just supported us 100% in that. Because your yeah. parents are the same way. Yeah. Um, but you were really into sports. But yeah, so I right, so I uh, well, okay, but at the same time, the same even, time I, I I've seen those home videos. Okay, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so even though I wasn't, my interest wasn't to be like an actor. I still, I I was a little kid on Sesame Street sometimes, like running around in the back. Yeah. So I like grew up, you know, going to Sesame Street a lot, and we would make films at home as a kid yeah, yeah as I a remember. kid like you have my a detective dad, one yeah, right? yeah 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 and my, me and, and my siblings and my dad we would make these uh like sh- they were almost like sketch like sketches yeah or they were they were sketches and my dad would like direct this but i never I, I never thought that i wanted to do that outside of the house did I, they ever ask you because since they saw how much you loved it and since you already did it did they ever say like hey this is an option or? i don't think i don't I don't remember. We'll have I, to get your parents on a on a yeah, and then talk to them about it because they yeah. yeah I don't know, but I I know I loved doing it. I know I loved doing it at home, but I sort of just thought that's just what I do with my family. Right, like that's just what I do at in my house because mm-hmm. we just make these goofy videos. Um, because I and you know outside of the house I I was really into sports which was another thing actually cuz I was the most dramatic athlete of all time as a kid. I yeah. remember the earliest I can remember like playing sports, I remember playing baseball. I was probably 10 years old. I remember pitching in the middle of a game, stepping off the mound, looking out into the into the stands and in my head I'm hearing the commentators who were not there these were this was a 10 year old baseball game there were no announcers but I could hear him in my head going Rodman steps off the mound looks out to his mom and like I'm I'm looking out into the stands I, I can't see my mom. I don't know where she's sitting but in my head I'm looking right at her and I give her like a nod of like 
I got this, mom. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was creating. Like this you whole, were in a movie. In a movie, yeah. I was like creating a whole storyline, and I'm ten, and I remember like just relishing in the drama of sports as a kid. I mean, can I just add that you had literally think you mentally made yourself have an arm problem because you thought (laughs) that you were a professional baseball player? I I don't know why. I went through a phase when I'd go to the gym here that I would pretend like I was... Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I would about. pretend that I, my arm was... He still does this. So I don't know how to it explain wasn't, It this. wasn't only when you were a kid. <laughs> no, I still do it. Yeah. And I pretended like my arm hurt because I'd been playing all these sports that I hadn't been playing. And what do you know? A week later, my arm actually started hurting. Which is why I think it's the the power of visualization. <laughs> so I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, the power of visualization is so important, and I, that's why I think uh, be careful with what you think about. It's true. I yeah. would tell him that. Yeah, stop yeah. thinking. About it. And look, you stop thinking about it, your arms. And my fine. arm's fine. Yeah. But back to little Joey. So I'm a dramatic athlete and all that good stuff. Um, and what's interesting is I. At home, I was like the energy of the house. I was the one always like telling stories and making everybody laugh. And Mm -hmm. I was the entertainment at home. But at school, I wasn't that guy. Yeah. Like in middle school, I wasn't I wasn't the class clown with my friends. I wasn't like the funny friend Mm -hmm. or anything. I just was sort of quiet and I was like. Just hard to even think about now. I know. (laughs) It's just at the time I I was just like the observer sort of. But Mm -hmm. I was very, very social. I did have a lot of friends and I liked like, uh, you know, being with them and we we were always doing something fun or goofy Mm -hmm. and crazy. But at the same time, within the group, my identity wasn't the the funny guy, you know, Um, at the time. Uh, And then high school. Yeah, and then and then okay, so then things started to change. So then in high school, I was still really into sports, but I wasn't as passionate about it as everybody else was. And since the passion wasn't there for me, I wasn't getting any better. I was really good at sports when I was a kid because I was passionate about it, but the passion was going away in high school, so I wasn't getting any better. Right. And everyone else was. Then Towards my junior year of high school, this is when everything changed um, because, you know, college was around the corner. With that comes, what do you want your major to be? Mm-hmm. And with that comes, what do you well, what do you want to do with your life? Who do you want to be? Yeah. Uh, what do you want to be? Right. So and I didn't know. I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, a lot of my friends were like they wanted to go to business school. Everyone had a plan, it seemed like, but me. Mm-hmm. And I think that manifested in, in a sort of uh, like uh, uh, tension in, in me because I, I developed this like lower pain uh, in my back. Mm-hmm. It was really bad. And it was uh, basketball season was just starting at, you know, my, in my junior year. And I was sidelined with this back thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was really taking over my life, this, yeah. this back pain. So it wasn't a little bit of a back pain, like you couldn't walk. No, it was really bad. It was mm-hmm. really bad. And it was, uh, I was, nobody could figure out what it was, but I was going to specialists. And, and um, while that was all going on, the basketball season was starting. And yeah. I was just, I was just was on the bench. I wasn't always 
dressing in my jersey for the games. I, I was like sort of becoming like a manager on the team even. Yeah. And, and then when it, when it would feel better, I would try practicing. But I'm so behind because I hadn't been playing and everyone else had. So I just, it was, I was really in a funk at this point. And yeah. I was. What grade was this? Junior year of, oh, of yeah. high school. Okay. And I was in a funk and I was like, you know. I was trying not to show it, but I man, I didn't know I didn't know what I wanted to do, and everyone was had their colleges picked out. Yeah, and uh, and so while this is going on, uh, we're in the middle of the season. We had a coach. We had an assistant coach. His name was Harvey Weiss, and he was also a substitute teacher uh, in the school. Mm-hmm. And. He was really interesting. He was like a late 60s, early 70s year old little Jewish guy, Harvey Mm -hmm. Weiss. And he was special because you wouldn't think it looking at him, but he was like a world traveler. Mm -hmm. And he would go on these trips and crazy things would happen to him. And Mm -hmm. he would always have an assembly every year where everyone would go sit and listen to him tell a story of a trip he took. Where something crazy happened to him. Yeah, I didn't. I remember you telling me about him, but I didn't know that this happened yeah, so, every year. Yeah, every year. So, yeah. and he and he was very popular. Everyone loved him. He's sweet, yeah. sweet, sweet guy. You would never expect him to have these crazy stories. You thought he was like this little Jewish guy who like played life safe. Like he just kind of yeah. he's a substitute teacher. You would have no idea. Yeah. And I loved him because of that and the way he talked. And told stories. Yeah, he, you know, he'd say things like, you know, I travel. And he would tell these stories and he would say the word travel 650 times Uh throughout the assembly. So he would tell these stories and he would say like, you know, they know that I know that you know this. He was such a character. Such a character. He would tell these crazy stories like, you know, I was in Africa and I got kidnapped by soldiers. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just kept thinking. If he shoots me, the bullet's going to travel through my head and into the other soldier. And if the other soldier shoots me, it's going to travel through my head and into him. And I'm, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Uh-huh. So he was also an assistant on the basketball team. Yeah. And our assistant coach on the basketball team. And although I don't remember him ever giving any coaching advice, I think he was like, the scorekeeper. So he would come to all of our games and practices and he would sit at like the scores table yeah. and like keep the book. I think that's, that was his thing. But there was one game, uh, we're in the middle of the season. There's one game. We're getting our butts kicked. We go into halftime and our head coach, uh, coach Harris is, you know, he's very mad and disappointed, but when he'd get mad, he'd get quiet mm-hmm. and he would just, he would talk very quietly and he finished like this whole halftime speech and he went to say anything you want to add coach he wasn't talking to mr weiss he was talking to our other assistant coach Mm -hmm. but i remember mr weiss for like the first time ever speaking up at like a halftime thing or anything Mm -hmm. he jumped right in and he's like you know i'm very disappointed right now you know and he went around the room like you know jordan you know you keep traveling and Cole, you can't make a layup. And Mikey, look at the basket. And he's mm-hmm. going around and he's dishing out like to everybody on the team uh-huh. what people are doing wrong. And I'm trying so hard not to laugh uh-huh. because he was so mad about it. And he just was like, 
You know, you gotta finish it, the hope. Yeah, he's You gotta finish. It. Yeah, I, I was holding my mouth, trying not to laugh. Yeah. So we go back out. The game finishes. We get we lose by like forty or something. <laughs> go back into the locker room, and uh, and it's dead silent. Nobody's talking. Everyone's mad. We just got humiliated. It was a home game. It was at Highland Park High School. Silent in the locker room. And I don't know why I did this, but I turned to jo- my friend Jordan, who, who played in the game. I turned to him next to me, and very quietly I said to him, you know, Jordan, you did travel. And he started laughing. And the guy behind me, who was, who was in the locker room, I guess heard me, and he started laughing. So I turned around to him, and I'm like, yeah, and Jerome, what are you doing out there? You're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else starts laughing. So I go to him. Mm-hmm. And Mikey, I mean, come on. And I'm going around the locker room. And next thing I know, everybody is hysterically laughing <laughs> on the floor. I'm in a zone. I, I will never forget the feeling. It was the best feeling I've ever had in my life because, you know, it, it was like what I was meant to be doing. Yeah. And I was experiencing it for the first time. Yeah. And... uh and from then on, I was I found my identity in on the team. That's mm-hmm. what I did. Mm-hmm. After every game, I would do the Coach Weiss breakdown in the locker room. Impersonation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would do it before the games on Thursday night team mm-hmm. dinners. I would do it for everybody. Yeah. And and it, it came and it brought me out of my shell. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Not like I was, I was a super quiet kid. I wasn't. I was social, but I but wasn't. It was like a different level of exactly. you that people haven't experienced. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, and then next thing I know, the word spreads around the school that I do this Mr. Weiss impression. Mm-hmm. So now I'm doing it for teachers. I'm doing it for uh, security guards. I'm getting called out of class. I got called out of class to go do it for the dean because he heard about it. <laughs> and he, he brought in the other dean to hear it. And security guards are calling me out. And and, and they want to hear it. And, and it's beca- it's spreading around the school. Yeah. And, oh, hold on. There was one, I remember you told me a story that one time. You were in class. Yep. And the security guard called you out yep. and said, Joey, come here. And yep. you thought you were going to be in trouble. Yeah. And instead, he literally just pulled you out from learning just yeah. so you can say the impersonation. Well, it, the, it was crazy because my <laughs> freshman year of high school... Uh, we had a party that got busted yeah, because of pictures on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we all got in a lot of trouble because mm-hmm. there was drinking at the party. Uh-huh. And the dean, the dean got a hold of the Facebook pictures. Mm-hmm. So when I got called out of class, by, I got called out of class that freshman year mm-hmm. when all of that happened. So I thought it was happening again. The, my junior year when all this, when, because the security guard came in, he said, I'm looking for Joey Rudman. And yeah. he took me out and I'm like, oh my and I was asking him as we were walking, what's going on? Yeah. And he's like, Dean wants to talk to you. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and so I get there and I, I remember the Dean says, all right, take a seat, Joe. And I'm like, okay. And I sit down and he's like, so I hear you doing this impression of uh, Mr. Weiss. And I thought he was, I thought I was going to get in trouble for yeah. it. So I started to say, uh, yeah, but it, it's it's out of love. I love him so much. And it's it's not, I'm not making fun. And he cut me, he cut me off. He was like, okay, yeah. And I was like, yep. And he goes, let me hear it. <laughs> I was like, what? And he goes, let me hear it. So I did it for him. And he's laughing. And he went, he knocked on the door next to him. Because he, he had a, a joining room with the other dean. Uh-huh. And the other guy came in. And the dean's like, you're going to want to hear this. And the guy's like, what is it? And he's like, 
do it. So I did it. And the guy was like, oh my God, it's Mr. Weiss. And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was really cool for me. And, yeah. and it also was, uh, I, I started to do other impressions for people because people are like, oh, can you do this guy? And I would yeah. do it. And then, and then I would do like character voices for people. And it was, it, I was, it was really cool. And uh, even still, I still did not think about acting or anything yet. Uh, the basketball season ended. And, um, you know, in high school, I, I had a group of friends, mm-hmm. but I was also friends with everybody. Yeah. I had friends on the football team. I had friends in the band. Yeah. I had friends in theater. I was friends with yeah. hallway kids who were like, kids who just hung out in the hallway. Yeah. Call them hallway kids. Yeah. I was friends with those guys. I was That's why you bump into every single person <laughs> when you go out. You're like, oh, that was uh, this person. I just liked, I like people and I yeah. like being friendly with people. Yeah. Um, so I, I had a uh, really good friend of mine from growing up, Brett Kaplan, who Brett got into theater and... He came to me one day, uh, sort of towards the end of the school year, my junior year. I still didn't know what I was going to do about college and, and everything, but mm-hmm. um, he came to me and he said, uh, hey, uh, I'm acting in a scene for the senior's directing class uh, for a, a, a student, a senior, whose um, their final is to direct a scene from a play, okay. and they need to find actors and uh, uh you know, rehearse over a couple of weeks and then perform as their final. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Do you want to? You want to do it with me?" He needs another actor, and uh, and I said, "Okay." And and he was like, "All right." Well, he wants to read you first. He wants to like you know meet first and have you read a couple lines from it just to make sure it's right. Yeah. So I said, "Okay." And uh, so we met that night at Borders Borders Bookstore. Oh my gosh, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, we met in town at, at a Borders. That's not a thing anymore. No, is Borders it? is gone, I oh think. Oh my gosh. And we met at a Borders and uh, the director, the senior's name was Jack Horwich. And Great name. Yeah, Jack Horwich. Wow. And he, I think I actually, I knew him because I think when we were younger, we were on the same baseball team. Okay. But now he was taking this directing class, which you could take as a senior as long as you took a couple years of acting throughout high school, then you could take this directing class senior year, right? So he, so I meet with him and he's like, hey, uh, you know, I just want to read the scene with you and Brett. Um, no pressure. He told me what the play was about. It was, the play's called Take Me Out. It's about a baseball player who, uh, he's not a great guy. Um, and he was from the South and... He was like, you know, he's from the South, but don't worry about doing a Southern accent or anything. No pressure. Just read it as you and I'll just sort of get a feel for if this is right for you. Mm-hmm. So I said, great. And so Brett and I start reading the scene and two lines in, I'm fully, I'm like, I'm reading the lines as my, as the character and I'm going through it and I can't help it because I'm just getting into this guy and I'm like, I'm fully. Yeah. And I think we read for 15 seconds and Jack stopped us and he was like so you want to do it <laughs> and I was like yeah I'm in, I'm in that was really fun so uh so that was it and we were we uh we rehearsed for I don't know a month yeah. or a couple weeks mm-hmm. so a couple weeks go by and it's time to uh, perform it and I was very excited I felt very good about it I, I loved rehearsing it was so much fun I, it was also a secret thing that I was doing 
I don't know why. I just didn't tell anybody, but mm-hmm. I, I told my parents. And uh, it came time for the performance. And uh, and there were about like 60 people there because it was all the students in the class and their parents and their grandparents and their siblings and all the actors, all their parents and yeah. siblings. So it was a good crowd. Mm-hmm. And this, this was the day that changed my life because I, I performed it. And not only did it go really well, but I became sort of addicted to the feeling that I had yeah. in it where I completely like lost myself. It's like you're myself. naturally high. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it felt like. Yeah, and yeah. I was I was losing myself in this character and, and, and it was just so much fun yeah. that when it ended, it was this mixture of not only was that the best feeling I've ever had, but... It ended and I went, I want to start it. I want to do it again right now. And that mixed with the reaction was pretty nice, I have to say. Yeah. And the feedback was really, really amazing. I mean, to be honest, like the things I heard afterwards. Very reassuring. It was reassuring. And it was, and I, I, I will never forget that. I mean, that day changed my life. I left the school that day knowing what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I'm so happy that my parents were there too because even though if I came home one day and I said, I want to be an actor, they would have supported it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'd seen enough at home to be like, oh yeah. yeah. But to, the fact that they saw that performance, mm-hmm. I think they helped double down on this with me. Yeah. Uh, later that day, I met with the head of the theater department Mm-hmm. At Highland Park High School, Scott Schallenberger, and another great name. Yeah. And I, he, we had met each other because he was teaching this class. So obviously, he saw me around and he, he knew I, he saw the performance and and I'd met him, but I really wanted to introduce myself to him, and tell him that I wanted to do this forever. And I only had one more year left in the school, but I wanted to learn as much as I could from him in that time. Yeah. And I wanted to experience as much as I could in that time. I told him that. Yeah. And he he was like, great. Yeah. You 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 have it. And this is really exciting. And he was he was incredible about it. Um, and the next day I met with the basketball coach, the head coach, Coach Harris, and I told him I wasn't going to play in my senior year, which he, he didn't really care, but <laughs> what I told him and it was just a it was just for me it was just uh putting it out there that I'm going for this. Yeah. I'm doing this and I'm not only that but now I'm looking into uh theater schools. I'm I want to go study acting now in college. Mm-hmm. Um but but um but I'll go back to the to the timeline. So the school year ended and I wanted to keep doing stuff mm-hmm. and uh and i told my parents that i was like what, what can i do what can i do and my dad said why don't you go take a class at second city in chicago so i said great and also at around this time he was he was starting to show me things that i wouldn't have seen if i wasn't going down this path Does what that do you mean sense? um Maybe movies, shows, actors, comedians who weren't in the mainstream, okay. who other high schoolers didn't know about. Uh-huh. Like he would 
you know, show me stuff with like uh, Brand. Like, yeah. Oh well, yeah. Brando and and, yeah. and Steve Martin and Chris Farley and old and um, you know, old SNL guys who I I uh, wouldn't have known about because I I didn't watch old Saturday Night Live right. episodes. So the summer comes up, and I'm signed up for a, a Second City uh, summer intensive. It was like a, uh, I think it was like a six-week program where uh, we'd have, uh, it was a full day at Second City, mm-hmm. um, Monday through Friday. I think it was Monday through Friday. And I'd, I'd drive downtown in the morning over the summer every day. And I would do, uh, I would do like um, a full day of character, of improv and characters and sketch comedy. I was learning, really learning about comedy. And then, then at the end of it all, we would do a show. Mm-hmm. Which was crazy because it was on the main stage at Second City. I was how old was I? Eighteen. Yeah. And I'm backstage. And it's, and it's very hard to get into the. Well, that. I I hadn't. You could just sign up for this. Oh, okay. So um, so we did we, but it was it was so cool to see like Chris Farley's name signed backstage and yeah, uh, you know Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert and and all these guys and and then. Uh, and Tina Fey. Yeah, it was, it so was, inspiring. It was I'm so sure. inspiring. And then we did the show, and the show went really well. So that lasted the summer, and then senior year came back, uh, and I auditioned for the school show, and I got a part in it, and I played, uh, I played like an old guy, Mr. Stanley, in, yeah. in the Man Who Came to Dinner. I'll tell one quick story about this play I did. Um, we, we were, you know, rehearsed it for a while, and we were gonna do like a, you know, a long run throughout the high school. I don't know, like six shows I think we do, yeah. do in, in high school. And we do our final dress rehearsal show. And I I, I, I I picked up this bit towards the end of the rehearsal. My character comes down a flight of stairs and there's a giant coffin that had been placed in his house. Mm-hmm. And he's, he gets surprised by it and mad and he storms back up the stairs. But I would do this bit where I'd come down the stairs like in my the um, Mrs. Stanley's name is Daisy. Okay. So I'd come down the stairs like, Daisy, it's time to go, or whatever I was going to say. Yeah. And I would, I'd put this little button on it where I'd come down the stairs like, Daisy, it's time to go, because of the coffin. Yeah, yeah. And uh, our final notes before the opening night show from our, our director, he's like, uh, and uh, Joey, uh, you know, maybe don't do that little ha ah, thing. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So opening night, I come down the stairs <laughs> and I go... Daisy, it's time to go. I, I didn't mean to go against him, but I it was so instinctual. instinctual. Yeah. And the crowd went, the audience went nuts. <sighs> it was very cool. That's but I awesome. felt I felt really bad. And the show ended and I and the director was giving notes after uh-huh. and he said, and Joey, and I cut him off. And I'm like, I'm so sorry that I, and he cut me off and he was like, No, no, keep it. So that was a nice, that was really nice. That was just a, that's, um, that was a nice reassurance. I'm sure to follow your instincts. That, exactly. That's exactly, that's exactly it. So, so anyway, uh, at some point I, I knew that second city was, they were doing auditions for their teen cast mm-hmm. that you could audition for since that I could audition for it. Cause I did the intensive. Yeah. Once you do that, you can audition. So I did and I got it. And I was on the teen Second City cast. So great. So I was like going 
every Friday after school. I mean, so lucky too that you were so close to Second City. How many? There's well, only two, right? Well, there's or is there three. There's three. There's I don't know if there's one in New York anymore, but there or if there ever was, but. There's one in Toronto. Another one here. There's one here, and there's one in Chicago. But Chicago's one is the mecca. Oh wow! That's the yeah, one. Yeah, so lucky. Actually, even before all the other, like Second City Chicago, mm-hmm. is the original. But like, like the flagship. Is that's that the first one. Not only for Second City, but for all of improv. Oh wow! Improv in in Second City and Chicago is where it all began. Wow. So, um. So I, I was going downtown. I was driving down about 30 minutes every day, every Friday after school to put on a show. We do a show every Friday. We would like email sketches to each other and, and do our director throughout the week. We'd meet a couple hours before the show, put the show together, half improv, half sketch. And I was performing yeah. at Second City every Friday night. And all of a sudden, this is becoming my new life. Yeah. And... uh. It was there that somebody had told me, asked me where I was going to college. And I said, I didn't know. And I'm in my senior year. And I said, I want to study acting. And I, I don't know how they knew, but they said, we heard, I've, they said that they heard that the University of Arizona had an up and coming theater program. Yeah. And that school, Arizona was on my list, uh, my radar, because I knew I wanted to go to a school with a bit like, you know, a big school that had a good sports team because I still liked watching sports. Yeah. So I, it was like perfect. perfect. It was perfect. So yeah. I, I flew out to Arizona and I auditioned for their acting program and I got it. And it was like, it's a rigorous, intense program that I didn't even know at the time when I auditioned yeah. for their BFA acting program. And uh, Out of how many people do they like, you know, in? yeah, how many people do they let in? A- 12 to 16 Acting and musical theater students after, yeah. I mean, I don't know, hundreds yeah. audition, yeah. maybe thousands. Yeah, I have no, I have no concept of yeah. many, <laughs> but, maybe millions. Well, I know there's well, I mean, maybe <laughs> there's 40,000 students in the school. Yeah. So I don't know. So it depends. Yeah. So I was like one of the 12. That's, or, yeah. That's so that's definitely. And, and, on, to- and on top of that, um, you had to re-audition at the end of your freshman year and sophomore year mm-hmm. to get back in. And I was actually the only actor who graduated, who was there freshman year. Wow. Everyone else had been cut and replaced by transfers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I so yeah, so I went to the University of Arizona and studied acting there, which was like the, the perfect school for me. I got to play every role from waiter number two to eventually like one of the leads in a Shakespeare production and then Tennessee Williams. I did Glass Menagerie and... Yeah. Uh, and you got an award for that one, I remember. I, I did, and, <laughs> and uh, so that was. I mean, it wasn't all. There were some bumps in the road, and, and that, but that's just that comes with an art department and a yeah. theater program and actors. And give us one. What was one bump in the road? Uh, well, so oh man, one. Well, so the big one. I'll t- I'll say the big one. Do I have time? Yeah. So while I was obviously very passionate and serious about being an actor and about the acting program i did want a social life Mm -hmm. so i joined a fraternity my Mm -hmm. freshman year and my sophomore year like you go through struggles in acting Mm -hmm. classes and we were doing like moliere and it was hard for me yeah and instead of doubling down on 
working harder and, and getting better and, and studying yeah. instead of that I went the other way and I went well like screw that mm-hmm. I'm gonna spend more time at the fraternity yeah and, and partying I, and I did yeah and I was showing up um hung over. I didn't think it was noticeable but I was showing up to class hungover and unprepared yeah and I was late to, to rehearsals mm-hmm. and uh and one day I got an email for, from one of the professors that said, can you come to the theater building to um, the conference room yeah. tomorrow at three or whatever? So I go and I walk in and every professor is in there and every director is in there. And I'm like, Whoa, what's what's going on? So I go in, I take a seat and they one of the directors and professors expressed to me that they were concerned about my work ethic. Mm-hmm. And I sort of at first had an attitude about it like pfft. and then it took one of the uh, one of uh, one of the greatest acting teachers I've ever had in cool my life. Cool frat boy Joe. Yeah, cool <laughs> frat boy Joe needed a wake-up call and he got it because Professor Diane Winslow, who is one of the best acting teachers I've ever had in my life and voice teachers she leaned in and put her hand on top of my hand and said, do you even want to be an actor? And hearing that, like, flipped me around. And just hearing that, Your I went... inside. Uh, yeah, I went, hold on. Is that how far this has gone? Because get, I'll change everything. And, and just like that, I flipped. I quit the fraternity. I left the fraternity. I... Moved, put, didn't you? I did. I moved. I put everything I had into the theater program. And then, what do you know? Things start changing. I start to like get a hang of whatever it is we were doing. I started to get cast as leads in, role, in, in the plays. And everything changed from that yeah. point. But Which actually, now when you look back, I mean, you know, since I have a BFA too... That means that they saw a lot of potential in you because if anybody's doing bad, they're not going to take time off of all the other teachers to have a meeting. They just fail. And that's well, that was meet. the point of the meeting. That's what they that's what they said. Yeah. They said any other student who behaves this way, we cut them. Yeah, I'm sure. And they said, you know that. Because I've never heard of that. And they listed like a couple students who mm-hmm. I knew who had gotten cut yeah. because of it. And they said, we see something in you. Mm-hmm. You need to see it. And I did, but... I'm sure also being around some, like, the fraternity and all of that, like, that world, you just... It was a toxic environment for yeah. me, for sure. I mean, I can imagine. It really was. But you, you kind of, that ends up your norm, so I'm sure how that can skew your perspective. Right. Um, and ever since, and, you know, everything changed uh, from that point. I loved, I loved that program. What I loved about it was... It wasn't Tisch. It wasn't NYU. It wasn't USC. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't know that spending time there. The way that the professors treated every day and the way that they treated every show and every class and every scene, mm-hmm. they treated it like this was the greatest acting program. Yeah. And I really appreciate and appreciated that. It made everybody step up. Mm-hmm. And they really believed that. And yeah. it made us believe it too. Yeah. So... Uh, that's my little shout out to the University of Arizona's <laughs> theater department. Um, so and then uh, and then I ended up here in L.A. and Which is I the next podcast, right? Yeah. The next episode. Yeah, yeah. Because then I got the movie We Are Your Friends, and yeah. then I came here. And now you do over 
30 different characters on a kid's show on PBS. Yep. It's Nature Cat for people that have children that are listening. Yes. Speaking of kids, were you a little kid when you started? <laughs> You're a little kid? I was. A, a drawing baby. Yeah, I was a drawing baby. No, <laughs> I mean, maybe. Uh, as soon as I can hold a pencil, that's mm. that's when I started drawing, really. Uh, I was very, very young. Actually, I was still in a stroller. So the first memory that I can... I don't even know. Yeah, what is your first memory of creating something? I don't know if I personally remember it or it's been told Uh, to me so many times that I remember it, but I think I do. Either way, this happened. (laughs) Yes. So when I was about four years old, my grandma and my mom took me to Disney World and they bought one of those autograph books for me so I can have all of the... You know, the you'd go, characters. You go around and you'd have them sign. Yeah, I'd right, have all right. the characters sign it. So Cutie. I was, <laughs> so I was sitting in the stroller and I was really, you know, bored. And I started drawing. Wait, how old are you, roughly? Around four. Okay, okay. So I was around four years old and I was drawing in the sketchbook. Well, not a sketchbook. I was drawing in the autograph drawing book. book. Right. And I was drawing the characters from memory, and wow. and. Then the people in line started noticing, and they were pointing it out to the other people. Are you kidding? I never and knew this. I never knew this story. Really? I I don't. I never knew this story. Really? <laughs> I've never known this. I thought you did. Wait, do you have the book? No, I don't have the book. I wish I did. Mm. It's it was a red book. That's why I think I kind of remember because I remember it was red. Okay. But um, yeah. So people in line started pointing at me and telling other people and then my grandma and my mom noticed so they that everybody was staring (laughs) so then they looked over and that's when they were just shocked at that i did that for memory and um ever since then my mom put me in art classes so i started taking art classes at around five just like you my parents put me in a lot of extracurricular activities so I was in tap I was in um I did karate for a little bit I did basketball um anything you can think of I mean Mm -hmm. I I took so many classes but art was always my favorite and uh, my mom signed me up to the we got a membership at the museum of art when I was little and I would love to go there I would spend hours just creating at the young ed art museum in Davie Florida and it's still there. I want nice. to visit it, you know, one day. Yeah, um, we'll take our future children there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was. I was very young, and and my mom immediately put me in classes and just nurtured that, which mm-hmm. was nice. Um, and every single birthday and Christmas, I always got art gifts. I always got an easel or some great paper or markers or whatever it was and it was always really exciting and it was really nice that you know they did that um then let's fast forward maybe around 10 ish 10 years old um so i I, i'm born and raised in south florida so we would go to Publix, the grocery store and they had this 
contest where they have a i don't know i mean it's the only grocery store i know that has a mascot they have a mascot and it's like a dinosaur okay and Mm -hmm. um there was a contest where it was like a coloring page of this dinosaur and you would color it and bring it in and then the best one would win and you got to pick something from the bakery and i would enter it and i won so many times (laughs) that uh, I think there was just one point they're like, all right, we just, this girl, just she just can't come back in here. And, and yeah, I would get some cupcakes and I would just win. And it was just norm. Uh, I never really thought too much of it. Then fast forward a little more. And these are just all things that happened to me right. that wouldn't happen to the average child. I feel right, like right. that these were checkpoints. These are checkpoints you. for me now looking back, but at the time it was just normal. Right. I just figured everybody just wins these things. Yeah. And, um, then in high school there, I took our classes and, Oh yeah. So in high school, there was one thing I did that I illustrated all of my teachers in a piece of paper, just, you know, just a regular notebook paper. And I did cartoons. I illustrated them. And I one of the students, you know, looked over and they're like, oh, my gosh, you have to show that. So so I showed it to my teacher and she loved it so much that she cut out her her illustration and laminated it and turned it into her hall pass. And then the other teacher started doing that, too. So I started like making hall passes for for the teachers. And that was very fun. Um, and then, oh, that was middle school actually. Okay. And then high school, another thing that happened was that, um, out of all the students that were enrolled in art, it was, it's one of the biggest high schools in the U S around 4,000. Um, I ended up winning for my painting. There was a contest and I won first place. I was very excited about it. And when it was time to go pick up the art pieces that were displayed in the library, mine was stolen. So I was just, I was very sad about it. But now looking back, it's kind of a compliment that somebody stole it. I really wish they gave it back. Or mm-hmm. if you still, if you are listening to this and you stole my painting, <laughs> give it back. Give it back. Um, so, yeah. Oh my gosh, no, I forgot a story. I forgot this very funny thing. People ask me all the time, so do you have the first painting that you've ever created? And the answer to that is no, because I remember the first time I painted something on actual canvas that I have a memory. Now, I don't have the best memory, so it might not be the first one, but what I can remember that I think was the first one. Um, <laughs> I love you, too. <laughs> um... So what I can remember that I think was the first one was a painting that I did and it was a scene and it was a house outside. It was a nighttime scene of a house in the country and I did a wooden fence and I did a starry night and Mm -hmm. I remember I was so proud of it that I couldn't wait to show just everybody, every Mm -hmm. single person. I just wanted to show them what I did. I was very, very proud of this painting. Um, so at the time my mom was a realtor and she had just sold a house and we were invited to go have dinner in the these people her clients new house and i was like mom can i show them my painting and uh i feel like i'm so out of order but this was i was probably around like 11 yeah back at the time you jumping around. <laughs> yeah jumping around 
So my mom said, yeah, sure, bring the painting. And let me just say something really quickly that my mom is, uh, she's a pretty submissive person. She doesn't have an extremely strong personality like I do. I get that from my father. So anyways, we go to this person's house and I take the painting. I'm so happy about it. I'm like jumping around. I get there and they're like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm like, oh, hi. And I mean, it's also really weird that my mom even let me do like show this <laughs> painting off because they're, I don't know. So she was proud too. Yeah, she was proud too, I guess. So so I, I'm like, look at this painting I did. And they were like, wow thank you so much no way. <laughs> yeah they're like what? they're like thank you and they're like this is so great and i oh, was no. and i was in shock i was like oh my gosh i did not know what to do like i was smiling to be nice but my insides were just screaming and crying and i look over to oh. my mom to please help me like this is my favorite and only painting it took me so long like please don't let them take it like with my eyes i was saying all this and my mom just smiled at me and smiled at them and that was it <laughs> and um yeah uh, i mean what are you supposed to do uh, like, no we're just showing it to you and then and then they ke uh, they kept the painting which i'm sure they probably either threw away or you know put it up in a garage sale like that painting is probably just uh I mean, what is it? It's dirt by now, rotting away. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's disintegrated. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's disintegrated. It's gone. It's, yeah, it's gone, gone, pretty much. Yeah. Um, unless they still have that painting. And if you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> please give it back. <laughs> Joey's about to spit his water he just drank. Oh, man. So I, let me just say, once we left their house... Oh, man. That was almost bad. That was almost water all over. <laughs> so so once we left their house, I remember as soon as the door closed behind us, I was full oh, temper tantrum, I, yeah. crying. Yeah, I slammed, go get it back. slammed yeah. the door of the car. Oh. You know, just like, how can you let this happen to my... I mean, my poor mom. I was probably so bratty and sad and just crying. I know mm -hmm. I was crying, but anyway, so... I, but as this, I, I see her perspective. Like, I see yeah. her in that situation, too. I I know that feeling. Yeah, that's yeah. A it's, a, it's a tough situation. But yeah, so that's what happened with my first uh, painting. Yeah. That is... That's, that's a funny story. Um, and so and, that's around eleven. -ish. Yeah, so that's around eleven. Then there was fast forward was the high school thing where somebody stole the painting, God, yeah, and right. um, after that, so so let me just say throughout all of these things that have happened to me, where I've you know had had all of this happened to me where people stole the painting or kept it or won awards or whatever i won i actually one year i won an artistic genius award which i'm very proud of i actually still have it laminated in a box <laughs> um but yeah so i won all the all these things but i never thought oh my gosh i'm such a great artist it's such a different thing that other people can't do uh -huh. so i never thought that i was going to be a career path for me it was just something that i really enjoyed doing right so in my mind, I was going to go to college and maybe be a psychologist. I always found the human mind very interesting and the way people think and why they make certain decisions, mm -hmm. which now I integrate into my artwork very much. Mm -hmm. So it was always very 
interested in psychology and interested in business. Ever since I was little, I was the little kid selling um, candy to you, you know, for $2 or whatever and making some extra cash on the side. Um, Selling bracelets, going door to door, like making my own bracelets, um, chocolates. Like I loved business. So I thought, oh, maybe maybe I'll just do that. Um, A quick funny story. So when my, my dad owned a business growing up uh first it was a meat market then it was a grocery store and so he is a great businessman and i get my business natural skills from him so when he saw how much i was really good at business and selling and how fun it was for me he also nurtured that side by when i told him hey dad you know i sold this candy bar in school and i made extra money because you know it was only 50 cents he the next day, he was like so excited for me. Mm-hmm. He went out and he bought this embarrassingly huge backpack with a built-in cooler in the bottom for drinks. I never knew that. That is amazing. <laughs> it was huge. Like it was swallowed me. It was like a big backpack. That like, is nobody so would carry funny. that. So he was like, "You like it? Okay, we'll go to Costco." Like you know, very. <laughs> that is amazing. Um. So he's like, you can put the the drinks in here and sell this. And it's just oh like, it's not amazing. even allowed. Right. Like I was 10 years old. Like I was supposed to go to school to learn, not to just yeah. <laughs> like a walking vending machine here. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, so I was nurtured in the business side and in the art. But um, so I went into school undecided. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up going to the University of North Carolina in Charlotte. We ended up moving to North Carolina when I was 16 years old because of Hurricane Wilma. Um, it ruined my dad's business, so we had to just leave and start a new place that was cheaper, so we ended up going there. Um, so I ended up at UNC Charlotte, undecided. Then I switched it again to business. Then when I realized that I had to take stats and all of these business classes that had a lot to do with math, which I hated math, it made me cringe and just freeze. I, I completely hated it. I placed like less than college level in, in math. So I was like, oh, I definitely don't want to do business. I didn't even take one business class. Um, but I was taking other, I went back to undecided and I was taking those, you know, extra, what, what are those called? Those, um, um I forgot what it's called, but you, you know, those yeah. elective type oh, electives. Are they elective? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's oh, exactly okay. what it is. <laughs> so, so I took art, of course, as an elective because it's my favorite one. And, oh, let me what just. What year is this in school? This is. The first year? This or? is the second year second in year school. school. Yeah, it. second year in school. I was taking electives. Let me also just say that unlike Joey, I did not come for, or unlike, unlike you, I did not come from a household where my parents were professional artists. I mean, both of your parents are professional artists. My mom was a realtor. She always switched different types of jobs. And uh, yeah, so, so she just, she was always doing something different. She was at home mom for a bit. And my dad owned a business. So I never in my million years thought that being an artist was even possible. I never even thought of it as a career for some reason. I just, I don't know. I thought it was just a hobby. So when I went to school and I took that elective, I sat in a class where 
almost everybody in that class was getting a degree in fine arts. And I asked them, so what are you going to do? And they're like, I'm going to be an artist. And it was mind-boggling to me. I don't know why. I mean, I was already, what, 19 years old, and I don't know why I didn't even think about this. And people were pursuing that. I was very excited to hear that. And all of the options that there are, there's, you know, graphic design, illustration, painting, ceramics. I mean, so many things I could do. So, so like, so quickly after that classroom, I went straight to the to – the, um, like who the, do you talk uh, to the counselor i went straight to the counselor and i changed my major yep. to fine arts now when i changed my major to fine arts um i did have the thought of okay what can i do because there's that taboo if you're an artist you're a struggling artist right, right. and it's hard to make money and, and there's that whole <clears throat> taboo that goes behind it so i thought what can i do that will that I will guarantee me a job in art. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll do graphic design, mm -hmm. which I didn't like graphic design at all, right. but I don't know. I just. You saw the business in that. Yeah, I saw the business in that and thought, oh, that's close enough. Right. So when I talked to the counselor and I said, I'm going to do graphic design, she said, but what do you really like? Mm. What do you like to do? And I said, well, I like painting and I like illustration. I love drawing. Drawing was like my go to. Mm -hmm. And she said, why don't you major in illustration? And I said, well, you know, I don't I don't know because I don't think I'll, I'll, I'll make money from it. And she said, this is the best advice I've ever been given. So I'm just saying, putting this out there in yeah, case yeah. somebody's listening. Oh, somebody is. <laughs> that, that's stuck in this moment. So she said, what is what are you very passionate about because if you go for business for the i mean if you go for graphic. graphic design for the wrong reasons there will it's any field you go to is going to be competitive and there are going to be people that are very passionate and completely love graphic design so you're never going to end up being as good as those people because you don't have that passion and drive behind it so you know, that something just clicked when she said that. And I said, you know what? You're right. I love illustration. I love drawing. I love painting. It goes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to be an illustration major. So the day came where there's booths that you sign up to at the be in the fine arts department. The illustration was there was crickets like nobody. Oh everybody's scared to be an illustration yeah, yeah. major. Right. But I still did it because it felt right. And I'm so glad I did. I treated my fine arts degree like I was getting, uh, I was going to be a doctor. I mean, the most important thing to me in the world. I took my career as an artist extremely serious mm -hmm. from the get-go. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I sat in front of the, the front seat, the front row of every classroom. Mm -hmm. I took so many notes. I tried very hard in every class. I never missed anything. Um, whenever we had to, you know, work on projects or anything, I stayed in school. There was many times where I literally did not sleep. I just created, and I draw, I drew, and I painted, and I worked very hard. Took my toothbrush to school, yeah, and I changed the clothes, and then just went straight to class. Like I've had forty-eight hour days. All the custodians knew me. Like I was the yeah. only person there at like four a.m. Can, can I? Can I? You just reminded me of, you know, f for me, 
things didn't start changing for me until I was the last person leaving the theater building. Until yeah. it was the custodian coming in and us scaring each other on accident. Yeah. Like, and him being like, I didn't know anyone was in here. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were coming. You know. Yeah, yeah. Once I started staying late and like that, that's when... That's when the magic started happening. Yeah. And it yeah. seems like that's for you too. Yeah, definitely. Which, I mean, I, I, I was always kind of like that since high school. So it was something that was normal also. Or you knew. Right, right, right. But I, I also see. knew, I also knew from early on that if I dedicated that yeah. amount of time, I mean, I, I always wanted A's. I was uh-huh. always that person. Uh-huh. From the beginning, from high school, I always got the honor roll since I was in the third grade, since it was given. I've, I got it mm-hmm. from third grade on. And and I and I brought that into college. Mm-hmm. So but but yeah, so so it was the same thing. I, I just worked very, very hard and it was so worth it. And there was a lot there's a lot that goes into getting an art degree or getting a fine arts degree. So, so there you can get your bachelor's of arts or you can get your bachelor's of fine arts, which is a more rigorous, harder to get into program. Like Joey was just saying, he um, also got a BFA. Uh, I had to get into the program. And I remember when I was writing my essay that I had to write to Mm -hmm. get accepted, I cried because it just felt so Right. Mm-hmm. It was just you everything. You wanted it so bad because uh, it was... Yeah, I wanted it so bad, right. but it, I, that's when I had the click moment. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do with yep. my life. Yep. And it was such a great feeling, um, you know, writing that. And and my emotions that came after that was just very reassuring. So, yeah. So, that's why I always... I'm so big with telling... People always ask me, you know, what, what do you recommend? I want to be an artist. And I always say... Just dedicate your, you really, not only your time, but your life. I mean, you see, I dedicate yep. my life to this. Oh, I work yeah. seven days a week. I, I am always drawing. I'm, I'm, and if I am not, I'm writing down ideas. Yep. I'm sketching or working on paintings or whatever. But I think as an artist, there's really no days off. I think that for people that are on the edge when it comes to art, you have to go all in and get, you know, Something people ask me, do you think it's worth it to go to school? And I always say, yes, yes, oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. A million percent. Um, just like anything. I yeah. don't I don't understand sometimes why people think, you know, oh, you're going to go to school to become a lawyer or, or whatever it is, something else. But why not art? I mean, there's a lot that you learn. Uh, you learn figure and anatomy. You right. learn to draw every single bone in the body, every right. single muscle in the body. So I think it's just putting your heart into it and working hard and just dedicating your life and investing in yourself, your craft, your materials, mm-hmm. and just being consistent. Mm-hmm. So that is my story on how I pursued my passion in art. How it all started. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we'll talk about on the next podcast the struggles and yep. and the beginning of pursuing right. our our passions here in Los Angeles. Right. It sounded all gravy today, but there were definitely bumps in the road. Yeah, that you overcome. Yeah, so we'll get into those. Yeah, next week. All right. Hope to see you there. And 
thank you so much for all the messages and I enjoy seeing them when you guys tag us on Instagram and all your sweet comments I read every single one so thank you guys for that that's so sweet and uh, it's very inspiring for us to keep going yeah it really is thank you everybody thank you we love you love you so I didn't forget I have uh, some questions I promised that we would answer from you guys on Instagram that that follow us on there. So I'm going to start with this one. Number one, who were your inspirations early on? Do it. You go. Me? Uh, As an illustrator and artist, Shel Silverstein, I would say, was one of my big inspirations. My mom purchased a Shel Silverstein book for me, not because she was a fan of Shel Silverstein, but... I actually don't know why she purchased it, but she she got it, and um, I was in love with the illustrations ever since, and that was a huge inspiration. And now I have a nice Shel Silverstein collection. It'd be fun if you did a I I love lists, but it'd be fun if you did a your ranking like a top ten Shell Silver's, rankings. That would be so hard. That'd be too hard. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, How about you? Um, early on and still to this day, I'm going with my father. I'm going with my dad, um, on this one. I look up to him. He's my, he's my hero and I'm going with my dad here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two, advice on starting as an artist, but you don't have much in savings yet. So I get that. I get this a lot. Um, get another job. And if you have two jobs and you still don't have enough, get another job and have (laughs) three. Um, I think people, what happens a lot is um, people don't want to be uncomfortable and they, most of the time they don't want to be uncomfortable and they care what people think and they're spending money. You might not have money in your savings because you're spending it on clothing or food or going out on the weekend or things like that. So, and the reason I say this, I say this from personal experience because I did use every, I worked since I could and I used my life savings to move to California and then I used every last penny of it to pursue um, art and take an internship that was non-paid, but I saw the benefit, the benefit from it. Um, so I think my answer to that is if you don't have a lot of savings is, oh, and then after I used every penny, I got three jobs um, and didn't go on, on out on the weekend and didn't go out to eat and things like that. So I would just say if you don't have much savings is get another job and invest your money in your career and your art and cut back on spending money on other things. How do you stay positive on those days that things don't go as planned. Um, For me, I try to kind of go with the flow because sometimes when things don't go as planned, it doesn't make sense in the moment, but later on you look back and you realize why it didn't. So I always think of things as um, blessings or, or I always think that everything is happening for a really good reason and that helps me stay positive. So you know, if I didn't get, if I didn't book something, for example, you know, some type of art deal or something I was going to do, or 
I just think, okay, something else better is coming. And I Gosh, think that means this men- is such a good answer. And I'm la- I'm I'm and jumping th- onto this answer. That's exactly it. And I think that mentality helps. And once you train your brain to start seeing the world like that, instead of thinking, oh man, this didn't go well, you think, oh, well, this is be- for a reason. I think that your perspective changes and you just become more of a positive person. That is so great that's exactly it that's it so yeah that's exactly it sorry i'm just very excited about that answer. oh my gosh that was perfect um thank perfection you. um next number three did you have any internships and how did you land the job at e take um, it away <laughs> So, yes, I I actually just covered that quickly. I did have an internship when I moved to California, which I'm going to talk about more of why I moved to California. We're both going to talk. The next pod. Yeah, in the next podcast. But, um, yes, I actually moved here because I got an internship opportunity while I was on vacation. Um, The story will be on the next podcast. But how did I land my job at E? Uh, I was working three jobs and I was working anytime I wasn't working to make money. I was at home working on my craft and anytime I wasn't working on my craft right before bed, I would submit my artwork to every agency, every place that was looking for an artist. I mean, every single night religiously until I got the call that a staffing agency, creative staffing agency, found my work because I submitted it and they had a position open. So it was a lot of consistently sending my work out. Um, Were you ever close to giving up? I'll let you start that. Never. And there have been times where I've been frustrated, um, but I've never been discouraged. Uh, No, never. Yeah, my answer is just a plain no to that one. Um, Let's see. (laughs) I could have just said no. (laughs) Um, Six, how do you get time to draw and how do you capture feelings as you feel? So just like, you know, a doctor makes time to to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. It's the same thing for me or a teacher is a teacher from nine to five. I'm an artist, so this is my job. So as soon as I wake up, I draw and illustrate or paint. Um, So, yeah, I have a lot of time, I mean, to dedicate to my artwork. And I do it more than the average nine to five because I'm constantly creating. And let's say I'm working in the morning. I take a break in the afternoon and then I'm back in the studio at night. And it's a seven days a week thing. It's amazing to watch, really. So um, It's unreal. I'm, I'm always working, no days off. And even if I have a day off, I'm not really having a day off because I'm writing down all these ideas right, and I'm, right. you know, always on the grind. What else? Next. Um, oh, and how do you capture feelings so well? So how, how do I capture feelings? I'm going to go back to education on this one because um, there's a lot of people that are artists that have feelings and, and have feelings that they want to illustrate or they want to paint but you can't articulate your feelings unless you have a good um, 
foundation foundation exactly so you can't illustrate if you haven't if i didn't know how to illustrate the human body and i didn't take classes and i wasn't educated in figure and anatomy then my illust- i wouldn't know about proportion i wouldn't know how to draw hands or anything like that so it wouldn't i wouldn't be able to articulate my feelings so i want so it's like you go and you get all the training right right so that when you are so you can just let go of it and you don't have to think about that. Yeah, I don't think about the training at all. Thank goodness, because yeah. I already went through it. So I think that that's the issue with a lot of people. So you're saying that people who can't get to the feeling part of it can't get there because they're stuck on the technical Exactly. Stuff. That's why I think it's so important it. to go to workshops. Speaking of workshops, I do want to say I'm only having, as far as I know, one workshop this whole year, 2019. It's a busy year for us. Um, and it will happen in less than two weeks, February 21st in Miami. It's a four day workshop I will be doing. Um, there's only, there's very limited spots and you can sign up on my website if you're interested. Uh, and if it's not my workshop you go to, I definitely recommend to just go to any other professional artist's workshop. It's so important. Next question, what about people who don't have any passion and feel like it's something missing in their lives? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I talked about it a little bit because I went through it when I was in high school where I felt like I was, I was sort of passionless. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then I found it, or mm-hmm. it found me. Um, so I think that everybody is destined to have a passion. Everyone has a passion, mm-hmm. whether they know it at the moment or not. Mm-hmm. right don't you think yeah i think so but but you know i have people around me that ask me the same question and and are still trying to figure it out and i think that people sometimes don't figure it out because you were lucky you were in school but i think not everybody has that luck because they but don't find it early school, on don't you think they would find it just there's a lot of people that are that are working nine to five jobs in front of a computer and they're not doing what they love doing and I and they're not pursuing trying to find a passion because once you have a family and once you have a nine to five, it's do you like, think they know deep down what the passion is? Like they long for something, whether they're pursuing it or not, they know what it is. No. no, I don't think I, I think that some people and you guys can, you know, talk about this in the comments. Are there a comment section under this or uh, I don't think so. Oh, well, I mean, but we'll post something. on Instagram Yeah, I mean, you can always comment it. on Instagram. I feel like everybody at one point will realize that they have a burning passion for something, whether they act on it or not is besides the point. I think I think I mean, right. maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 your, you know. Um, that's, your, that's, your, <laughs> that, that's how you feel. Uh, your, your thoughts, man. <laughs> um, but my answer to this, when the question that somebody said, what about people who don't have any passion and feel like it's something missing in their lives, is sometimes people think that a passion has to, this is just what I think, is sometimes people think that a passion has to be an artist, a musician. Right. You're, you know... There are, everybody has something special about them and some people might 
you might be looking in the wrong place. Right. But I think exactly. that you you're should right. really pay attention because maybe you're a caretaker. Exactly. Or maybe you're a really good listener. Right. Or maybe, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can help people and that you can change the world for the better. So I think if you open your mind a little bit more and you realize that that it's not linear and there's many many things that just if you try to hone in on yourself right what um, makes you happy exactly what makes you happy and if you still don't figure it out i always advise taking a lot of different classes that you have a slight interest in because as long as you're looking for something you're always going to learn no mm-hmm. matter what mm-hmm. so i would just say to those people that have that question is take you know take classes take experiences travel um you never know what you're gonna find and pay attention to the little details that make you you and sometimes you'll realize that your passion was there all along that's such a great answer you're (laughs) so good at answering these questions unbelievable these answers these answers are unbelievable next question thank you i'm gonna read this question Mm -hmm. How can you motivate yourselves to keep fighting and make your dreams come true? Um, for me personally, what motivates me to keep fighting and make my dreams come true is is ju- there's a couple different motivators for me. One, I feel like there isn't enough time. I'm very conscious that n- tomorrow isn't guaranteed. There's a lot that I want to do and who knows you know, we, we don't have tomorrow guaranteed or next year or, or the, you know, not everybody lives to 80. So I want to get as much done as I can in a short period of time. So once you realize that we're all going to die, um, I know it sounds a little morbid, but I do think of that. And I think that that's a motivator for me. Um, a big motivator for me also is my parents. They're both immigrants and they worked very, very hard, um, to get to to where they are today and to give us a better life. So I am very inspired by that and I want to be the best person I can be. So I'm so thankful for them sacrificing a lot of their young life for us to, to pursue our dreams. Um, and another thing that motivates me and makes my dreams come... to make my dreams come true, uh, it's... I just... I just have a burning passion for it. And I also don't want to take for granted all the luxuries that we have in the United States. I also like to see things in a bigger perspective. And there's so many people that wish that they can be an artist, but they don't have the means to to be an artist or pursue it. And I feel like that we are very lucky. And I don't want to take that for granted. And um, so for all of those people that are for example my mom's from venezuela and there are a lot of people in venezuela that don't even have food so just knowing that we have so many luxuries right now it just i feel like how it's kind of um it's kind of uh and i don't know if the right word is insulting but it's kind of like how can i be lazy Mm -hmm. when i have all of these all of these means to do what I love doing while other people wish that they could. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big motivator for me. That's really great. It's great. It's great. <laughs> I have nothing to add. It's the, spectacular. You have to start. You have to Spectacular. Start. <laughs> Thank you. 
How do you both deal with negative comments or criticism that is tough to swallow? Well, going to school for our, there are critiques every single week. We have to grab our artwork, put it on a board, and every single person will rip it apart and tell you what they don't like about it. And we have to do that for years. So for me, it's, it's not hard at all. And I have to, I, we've learned in school to distinguish um, a critique that is going to help you grow and then a critique that comes from a negative place. So since I was able to distinguish that, what I do is I just read a comment and if I feel that somebody is being negative and they're not actually critiquing to better your work, like they're saying uh, your perspective or, oh, maybe your light choice or whatever it is, those are interesting critiques. I'm like, oh, thank you. But if somebody's coming from a negative place, I don't take it to heart. I just know that um, they're bitter and something's going on in their life and that's why they're being negative and they're trying, they're taking it out on me and I completely just block it because I don't have time for that. I'm way too busy. So if -hmm. you notice on my Instagram page, you will not see negative comments. So I always tell people, feel free to say whatever you want. This is a safe space. And I am very aware of what's going on in the comment section. And if anybody is being mean to me or any of my followers, I block them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of times I feel like it it's their negativity is coming from within themselves. It's their own insecurities that they're taking out on whoever it is that they're commenting on. Yeah. And, so- and I will say, I mean, there have been some instances where it's kind of a gray area. Like, are they being, are they being negative or, you know, remember right, we, right, we've right, had right. like, you've had a comment recently mm-hmm. and, and then we ended up just, we're like, let's just delete, right, block right, it. Right, and, right, right. and so there are some times that it's a gray area, but I think, um, you know, do you feel like most of the times it's, it's really, they're just, taking their own oh yes insecurities out on it depends uh, there's some like i said there's some people that will say something about a perspective or try something this and and i really think it's coming from a good place mm-hmm. but i think again going back to what we were talking about your gut instinct is just go with your gut if right. it feels like somebody's being negative then just block it i mean mm-hmm. you don't you don't need that and right. it's so easy i mean it's just two buttons and you block and that's it they're gone <laughs> right so right and how do you not let it affect you though like you how do you when you block it it's gone out of your brain you're not lit you're not letting it linger inside of you yeah like that's uh, people it's a hard it's a it's so hard it just think of people like they're just on a different mental men they see the world in a really different way than you do so you just can't take it personal and and uh, you can't soak soak in it or let it. Mm. Gosh, your answers are spectacular. <laughs> they're 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 spectacular. <laughs> they're they're amazing. Thank you. Ah, that was fun to listen to. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll try and end every podcast with with questions. Um, the next one we will be talking about our journey in Los Angeles. The ups and downs we had, mm-hmm. finally diving into our career, and how we got to where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, and good night. And good night.